Welcome everyone to another episode of Daily Freedom with Fernando. Today I have the honor and privilege of interviewing Eddie Marcos, who is a CPA, who became also a real estate investor and applied his knowledge from numbers to become financially free um, and having 70 plus rental uh, rentals in real estate. And uh, I first met Eddie when he was at a panel at SDCIA, which is the San Diego uh, Creative Investor Association. And I was very impressed by his accomplishments and uh, his knowledge of how to use real estate as a vehicle to not only make money, but to save money through tax strategies. Eddie, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for honor. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, uh, thank you so much for, for having me here. And uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully uh, uh, we can give your audience uh, as much value as, as possible today. Yes. Yes. Um, how about we start at the beginning? Like, uh, what was the turning point uh, when you decided that real estate investing was an option, was uh, something that you could see yourself doing full time? Honestly, I mean, we can we can take it back uh, as back as as soon as uh, I graduated from from SDSU here locally, uh, which is like I was always thinking and, uh, you know, listen to a lot of successful people on a path of freedom, you know, financial freedom, not not uh, uh, having the freedom where you don't need a job to to make a living. And uh, I've always that was that was my my main goal and still is my main goal. Um, you know, how much money do I need to support a family and then still not have to not, not have to work? And and when I say not have to work, that doesn't mean I don't want to work. I, I mean, work to me is, is a medication. I mean, I, 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 I love to work. I enjoy working. But at the same time, the feeling that I have to work is what I wanted to get out of, which is mainly financial freedom. And um, after, you know, graduated from college, um, joined corporate for a couple of years. And then that's when I uh, start investing in myself and learning uh, uh, how how to operate a small business and uh, you know and a lot of my clients when I first started doing accounting were small business owners medium sized business owners you know anywhere from uh, hundred thousand dollars in gross revenues to maybe about ten million dollars in gross revenues so, so all those like are somewhat small business owners um, and I start you know looking at them looking at how they operate their business within since I was an accountant and I was doing their their books and their accounting their uh, uh, a little bit of their of their tax preparations um i started realizing like hey this is this this could be a thing for me and uh, uh this could be a a wealth building for me and uh that's when 2000 end of 2011 i uh, acquired a small business uh, in in the in the gas station world and uh, um, bought a gas station with a couple of partners uh from that I also got a got an option to to get into a partnership with uh, uh, into opening a hair salon, which honestly I know nothing about hair salon. <laughs> I don't get hair. I I I don't even know how to hold the scissors, right? But it was an opportunity to be a small business owner, and what I contributed was my skill set, which was accounting, uh, uh, kind of uh, checklists, and kind of handling the operations, the payroll, and so on, and just whatever experience I had, I, I offered it at the partnership and kind of went in and with with a minimal minimal equity so the risk was pretty much my time and when you're when you're young you know and at that time I was 22 um uh, when you're young if you don't have money you have time and 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 that's really really important because time is very very valuable and that's what I kind of gambled on and that's what I put down on 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 the line you know it wasn't it wasn't my my dollars it was more my time and my kind of quote unquote my freedom at that time uh, as 
at that age. And so did that um, and we, we were very, very successful. Um, and within the same partner that I, that I entered into the hair salon, uh, we got to the hair salon to a point where we got a, an offer that we couldn't resist. And uh, we, we, took, we took that offer, we sold the hair salon. It was in downtown San Diego. Uh, and we bought together, we bought a supermarket. Uh, this was in 2000, supermarket came in 2014, it was end of 2013. Um, that came and uh, him and I went in there, again, no experience in supermarket. I had experience in retail, uh, retail. you know, in my, in my college days, I was working uh, at a convenience store and so on. So I had experience in retail, but nothing like supermarket with a full meat department, full produce department, you know. All I did was I went there again. My time, I before before we even decided to buy that, you know, we, we saw it on we saw it on the on on on, uh, on the market it was it was being offered. I went in there three months into just kind of every day after I would leave my my. I, by the way, I, I went to a corporate job for a little bit. After I would leave my corporate job, I would go to to, to the supermarket, learn as much as I can. Within three months, I kind of had enough, enough confidence that I can take this challenge on. And uh, same thing with my partner. So we went in there, uh, we took it on, we bought it, um, was majority financed. So, so we, were, we were lucky to have the, the sellers carry back a little money and then we, we, we were able to assume their loan. And uh, with a little money that, that, that we had, we, we got in and um, started you know, improving, working there day and night, day and night, every day, seven days a week non-stop honestly sometimes 18 hours a day i mean it wasn't it wasn't an easy an uh, uh, an easy job but it was something that i could do with my time that i had and with my with my background in accounting so fast forward 4 years later we we ended up selling that uh, um that business and it was just it was a overwhelming one of the reasons i sold it cuz i didn't have any freedom i mean i got into small business so i can gain my freedom and after after buying that business along with the gas station that i uh, that i have till today i i was probably working nothing less than 12 hour days nothing less than that if anything on average i was probably doing 15 hour days if you were to kind of combine everything um and, and divide it over 7 days working 7 days a week nonstop and i just realized i looked at my partner and like hey man like I'm going crazy. You know, I, I, I took a, I took a vacation to Costa Rica in 2015 and um, 10 days. And I, I just remembered how much I enjoyed freedom, how much I loved freedom. So, um, and at that time in Costa Rica, I didn't have a signal to my phone and that was a blessing. That was just kind of like, you know, it, it was like a way unplugged. Uh, uh, we, you know, a friend, a, a college friend of mine and, and I went together and, you know, we were like sitting with some of the locals there and just like you're unplugged, you know, no, no phone service. Nobody's calling me with problems. Nobody's calling me asking me questions. Um, and, and mind you, at that time, I had over 32 employees, uh, all businesses combined. Um, and so I was just having that 10 days of freedom of just disconnect. Um, I was worried maybe for about two days. I couldn't sleep because my phone was working. But there, after that, I just started enjoying it. And by the 10th day, when I came back, I just looked at my partner. I'm like, hey, I like I need to get out of this. If you want to stay in this, that's fine. Like I need to get out of this because I need to move on to something better. And something better in my in my definition was go back to corporate because corporate was so much easier <laughs> than 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 having a, being a small business owner. So my definition of something you know better was was going back to corporate and working that eight to five type of job or being being an accountant. It was it wasn't eight to five. It's always you know seven to six. You know a minimum, probably ten hour days. 
Um, so we we saw that about halfway through 2000, but August of 2016, um, I went back to studying for my CPA since uh, I was an accountant, but I wasn't certified public accountant. So I was like, if, if I'm going to go uh, and back into accounting, I better go with, with more credibility, uh, given that I lost a number of years of just uh, non-practicing. Non so I uh, studied for the CPA while I was... Um, doing day trading with stocks and uh, uh um and while, while i was doing day trading i was also uh, uh helping out with my partners with the gas station and also started kind of dipping my toes into real estate and and real estate wasn't really what i understood it to be it was just for me personally it was something where i put my money in there instead of a bank. I don't know where I heard this. It might it might have been you know one of one, one of the people that I would always like listen to um, in in uh, on YouTube where it was just hey it's a silent investment, it's a passive income. You if you have a x amount of money in the bank account, if you can get a loan on it and, and put it in the, put it in the in that in that house in that asset, let that asset grow for thirty years. Don't touch it. Don't do anything with it. And that was kind of my thought process investing in real estate. And it was just it was plainly that it was just didn't know any benefits in it i just know that all right one day i might need to live in a house and i would prefer to be my own house so let me buy a house right now and rent it out until i'm ready to kind of build a family and uh live in a house big house you know three four bedrooms then i'll just move in and at least by that time it'll be a few years later the mortgage is paid off you know uh um, pay, pay paid some of it some of it off and at least I can manage to. Uh, I know what my what my rent is going to be slash mortgage, and it's not going to go up every every year. Like uh, uh, you know, subject to rent increases, uh, you know that, that that we're dealing with right now. So that was kind of my first property, 2016. I bought it, and again, it was just just so I can let my money sleep in there. Um, it had a huge lot in the back. Uh, I as soon as I bought it, I I did Airbnb. Um, because I had so much time on my hands since I, you know, I, I, I wasn't working out of corporate. I was studying for my CPA. I was doing kind of day trading about four to five hours a day. I would wake up at four in the morning, trade four in the morning to here. It's seven in the morning in, in, in New York. So I would trade until about noon in New York, uh, uh, noon here. So it's kind of uh, uh, after 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock San Diego time, I pretty much had nothing else. And I would study for maybe seven, eight hours. And then I had like a whole bunch of other time on my hands. So long story short, um, did I was doing Airbnb. It was it was pretty good. I was getting about times and a half the potential rent I could have rented it for. So I could have rented about two grand for that house. At that time in 2016, 2017, I was getting about three grand. And I wasn't doing a lot of work since it was kind of walking distance from my house. So I would like never drive. I would just kind of walk and, you know, greet greet the, the, the guests. And um, that was it. I would do the only, uh, I would do the cleaning myself and so on. So it was kind of like low, low expense. And the only thing I had to worry about was a, uh, I think it was eighteen hundred dollar mortgage a month. So that was that was about it. So I was already cash flowing, and that cash flow would just sleep in my bank. And you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big big spender. <laughs> if, if if you get to know me, uh, um, so that uh, 2016. I got certified in 2017, uh, passed my, my last exam. I'm not sure if, if some of you are familiar with, with, with how the CPA exam works. It's four sections. You, you have to pass all four of them to get certified, and then you have to get some hours. So that's as soon as I passed. 
I started applying for a corporate job. I, I got my first corporate job within, I think it was about a couple of weeks of applying. Uh, and then, sorry, let me take a couple of steps back just to be accurate. I didn't get certified. I passed my CPA exam and then certification comes in after I get my hours working at a CPA firm. So I started working for, for a CPA firm called PKF. It's here locally. It's actually an international, but they have a, they have a branch here in San Diego. I worked there for, for a couple of years um, and actually a little more than a couple of years. And uh, as I was working, I was kind of whatever money I was making, I was dumping in on real estate and just kind of slowly buying like property here, property there. Um, I forgot to mention when we saw the market, my business partner became a realtor. So he sat down for, for, for his, uh, uh exam to, to be a real estate agent. And he, he got, he got his, uh, his real estate agent license. So he was kind of, he became my, my, my real estate agent, obviously. Um, so every time there would be like a property that's really, really good. He would just kind of shoot on my way. Hey, Eddie, you should buy this. Hey, Eddie, you should buy this. And, um, like I said, didn't know much what to do with my money for sure. I didn't want to go into another small business and kind of, you know, just, just take away my freedom. And, um, uh, I, I just started like slowly investing in real estate. And uh, again, didn't really understand the benefit in it, except for it's a long-term retirement investment vehicle. That was it. Like not to make money, not to cash flow. Um, that was, that, that was about it. And, um, 2018, uh, that's when him and I, we bought a property, we fixed it up and we weren't going to sell it. We were just going to, you know, rent it. And, and, and that was about it. And, uh, what happened there was we bought it and we were like, well, let's, let's just gamble with it. Like, like we didn't even, we didn't even know the concept of flipping, honestly. Like, like, like I, I, I probably had heard it here and there, but like, I didn't really understand it, but I guess what we were doing, we were, we were flipping, <laughs> flipping it. So we ended up putting it back on the market and I made more money in that one transaction that I probably did in almost a year of doing accounting. And that's CPA accounting. That's like with a certified uh, degree, you know, and uh, uh, that's how it kind of opened my eyes up like, oh, what else is this? And then I heard about the BIRT program and I started listening to YouTube videos and uh, just to kind of, you know, uh, 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 listening to some, some of the investors, like, you know, with, with YouTube, with algorithms, once you search a, search a quotation, <laughs> they start uploading new videos uh, uh, on the same topic. So maybe for like almost three months, I was kind of messing with the idea of the BIRT. How does it work? And um kind of something fell in our lap, which was uh, a, there was a house that was like maybe about a half a mile away from, from where I live that was owned by auction. And it was, it was, Can, it was, pause real quick. Yeah. Can you explain for the viewers or listeners, if they're not familiar with what Burr is? Oh, Burr. So it's a, uh, buy, buy, uh, rehab, rehab, refinance, refinance, rent, rent, and uh, repeat. repeat. Yeah. Repeat. <laughs> So, uh, so, so there, there was this house that was kind of, was really beat up. It was being sold in uh, online auction, uh, zoom, X O M E.com zoom. Uh, it's pronounced zoom. I'm not sure why, <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, um, it was being auctioned there. I got in touch with, uh, with somebody to, to get a hard money on it. Long story short, we were to obtain, we were able to obtain it. Uh, we bought it for three thirty. Just to give you guys a uh, 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 kind of like a numbers, why this was kind of a, a breaking point for me. Three thirty, we bought it. We spent about fifty thousand rehabbing it. We made it into a three bedroom standalone house, and then we put a wall in the middle. We made it uh, uh, in the other side of the house. We made it into a one bedroom, one bathroom. 
three bedroom, two bathroom, one bedroom, one bathroom. I still have that house till today. Uh, um, fast forward nine months later, and I probably had about, I want to say about 50,000 in it as, as far as like my, my down payment. And then the rest of it was financed, um, including my rehab was financed. Uh, um, fast forward nine months later, I was able to get a conventional loan on it um, as I don't think I did owner occupied. No, just a regular conventional loan of 426 because it was being appraised at 540, 75% of that. So the bank was was willing to give me 426. Again, do the math, 330, 50,000, that's 370. I got a 426 on it. I made, <laughs> I pulled my investment out, paid off my hard money lender, paid off the rehab lender, and I ended up pulling out almost $30,000. So I'm zero money in. And this property at that time was cash flow about $200. With the huge spike in rent right now, I'm cash flowing about $1,100. And again, that was zero money in, end of the day. Like I, I like within, within one year, I pulled everything out. Um, so that was kind of breaking point. I'm like, wow, how many, how many of these can I do? <laughs> so so that, that, that was 2018, beginning of 2019. Uh, so that's when I just realized like, oh, wow, this real estate thing. I mean, I don't have to be a millionaire to make millions. And I don't have to wait uh, 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 10 years to become a millionaire. If I do it right, and if I do it carefully with a little bit of luck from the market, this this thing might expand. You know, I just, I, I just have to kind of do a little more research and learn about it. 2019, I, I acquired a couple of couple of more properties. Uh, 2020 is when I started taking it seriously. And it was taking a lot of my time from my corporate job and that I kind of neglected, honestly, because, you know, I, I was like, oh, I enjoy real estate more. I enjoy real estate more. And like, like, I would always like crunch the numbers. Again, I'm a numbers guy. What kind of returns am I getting? And a lot of people, they just look at the cap rate or they look at cash on the you know, return on cash. Me being an accounting accountant and enjoying numbers, I started like expanding on those numbers as far as like the 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 real return on investment, which is, hey, if I'm renting it for two thousand this year, in twenty years it's not going to be two thousand dollars. In twenty years it's going to expand, it's going to go up. Inflation goes up, everything else goes up. So I was like, start doing those numbers, and what I was getting to a return on investment thirty years within thirty years, it's about twenty some percent. So I'm like, I cannot find an investment today that will give me 20% if I'm doing it hands-on. And, you know, even, even a business sometimes, like everyday small business owners, like, you know, the business that I was, the, uh, the supermarket, I wasn't getting a 20% return on my money. Um, so long story, we st I, I started buying uh, um, throughout 20, I think I did about another three three properties in, in 2020. Um, and, and I was taking advantage of the, uh, of the conventional 30-year fix. You know, it was just, I would put in minimal possible, you know, 20, 15 to 20% down um, so I can get a good rate and then do a 30 year fix. And just as long as I would do, I would, I would run comps on Craigslist and Zillow as far as how much this property would, excuse me, would, would, would rent for. And as long as my rent covers my mortgage plus another, you know, five to 10% just for emergencies, then that was a green light for me that I would, I would buy that property. And that was kind of my criteria to buy, to buy properties. And it was mainly single family duplexes and fourplexes. So I can get that 30 year fix. Cause again, I wasn't that uh, experienced in financing as far as like conventional versus commercial versus hard money versus private money. I didn't know what all those were. I, I knew one, one 
kind of one tool, which was conventional 30-year fix. I built a great relationship with my with my lender um, to kind of have them continue working with me and like, you know, tell me what to do with my finances to make sure that I continue, continue to be able to obtain these loans, these 30-year loans. Um, and that was 2020. 2021 comes along. And that's when, by, by that time, I think I flipped one more property in 2020. Um, in 2021, I flipped two halfway through the year and um, with my partner. And that's when I realized like, hey, you know what? Busy season of accounting is over. Um, I'm making more money in these flips than, than I, I can I could have imagined doing, doing accounting, especially as a, as a senior staff, you know, or, or even a manager, even if I was to become a manager. So I started doing kind of the numbers again, going back to the numbers. All right, if I'm doing accounting for 10 years, and if I was at this time a senior manager, what's a senior manager's salary at a decent accounting firm? And, you know, doing the numbers from there, like, okay, how many houses do I need to flip to, to make that today? You know, and I started doing the math and I'm like, wow, this is a no brainer. You know, I, I, I'm already in real estate. I know how to do this now. Um, I just need some training, maybe some more time and money invested to in this, in this idea of mine. And then if it blows, then it's great. You know, if it doesn't work, then I, I always have, you know, accounting background. I can always go and be somebody's bookkeeper and, you know, make X amount of money to, to, to be okay living here in San Diego. So I took the leap of faith. I uh, left the corporate job in June of twenty uh, of twenty twenty one, and I started doing flipping. Uh, did it for about four months, um, and then I joined uh, a flipping uh, organization, which is a program coaching program. It cost me thirty thousand dollars for that program to to join in, and uh, uh, to me that was uh, because I saw the potential in being a real estate investor and flipping, and it wasn't just a flipping. A coaching program was real estate investing. One portion of it was how to flip houses. The other portion was how to wholesale. And the other portion was how to invest in real estate and kind of like creative lending and so on within, within real estate world. Uh, so I joined that long story, six months. By the end of the year, I had flipped about 14 properties. Four of them I kept, 10 of them I sold. And, and again, not to not to sweeten it. This is just my experience, by the way. It's not a financial advice. It's nothing. It's just my experience. In those six months, I made more money than, than I had in three years, four years of doing corporate. Actually, I was like almost four years of doing corporate. So I just looked at it. I'm like, okay, the risk is there. I understand the risk is a lot bigger because now you're dealing with contractors. You're dealing with lawsuits. You're dealing with, you know, people coming back, you know, and, and kind of telling you, oh, you got to fix this. You got to fix that. You're dealing with a whole number of problems that I went through for my first four months, not having a coach. And even after I have a coach, I was still having to deal with problems, kind of managing subcontractors, managing contractors, managing, you know, my Home Depot shipments and so on and so forth. So I was, I went back to the same feeling that I was when I had my supermarket, like, okay, I have no freedom. The only difference was I'm making a lot more money. So I'm trading my freedom for, you know, before I was trading, let's say for a quarter cents. Uh, uh, a quarter 20 25 cents now trading for a dollar so so the the return was there but i was still like i felt like there was something missing okay like what am i what am i in this for and then that's when i met met one of my coaches within that the program and by the way shout out to, to, to the program and uh, i'm in it's it's called homeschooled it's um uh, it's uh, run by Tarek al musa he's the same guy that he's uh on on hdtv that does flip or flop show 
um, and you know, one of their coaches is like, Hey, what's your big why? And like, like they started going like, you know, training me on the, on the psychology of, you know, goal setting and the psychology of like, why do I want to do this? What's the benefit in me? Cause at that time, up until then, I was just, my focus, my big star was the dollar sign. And I wanted to get to it as fast as possible so I can get my financial freedom. That was it. It was passive income. I didn't want to have to work to make money. I just wanted to make money. And if I'm working, it was kind of like a cherry on top of a cake just because I, I, I enjoy working. I don't like sitting at home and doing nothing. Or if I want to go travel, I have that freedom uh, and so on. So they started kind of talking to me on my big why and the psychology behind goal setting. And I started setting my goals and I was like, okay, uh, um, what do I want to do? And I came to a goal that was very, very ambitious. And I want like, well, if I want to make X amount of money, which is my kind of my big why to gain my financial freedom, I have to do these things. And, uh, and big part of it was to accumulate as many properties. And, and I have a number of mine. Uh, um, and if you're a close friend of mine, you probably have heard that number. Um, I have a, mon- a, n- a number of mine where, okay, if I reach this, then I'll make X amount of money in passive income. Then I'm truly financially free. If I want to sit at home and do nothing, my properties will still run and make that money for me. And that's that's my idea. So throughout 2021, halfway through 2021, I accumulated about maybe three more properties. The second half, when I when I decided to be to be a, a, a real estate investor and I decided to quit my corporate job, I did about I think it was about fifteen properties that you that in, in the second half, and then twenty twenty two that's when like everything just kind of scaled and I started getting into fourplexes, started getting into uh, um, uh, multi uh, five units, six units, um, seven units. And that's where, you know, with some of my partners being being affiliated uh, within some of these units, I got to 70 plus units as of today that we're speaking. And we just closed on the last one. We closed on it on July of this year. Um, and we were on target to close on more, but because of the market shift, uh, we didn't slow down, but just our criteria buying changed. So that forced us to slow down a little bit. But it wasn't because, you know, we intentionally wanted to slow down. So if the properties still come our way and they're, you know, based on our criteria that we're buying, if they're still a good deal, then we'll still buy it. As long as they meet our criteria, they meet our kind of, you know, uh, uh, the numbers that that we're, that we're looking for. And um, that's pretty much in a, in a, in a ballpark. That's like how I got from doing accounting to start preparing for my future and to lead me to real estate. And again, that's, that's, that was it. It was just financial freedom, pursue a financial freedom. And I truly believe that even with the shift in the market right now, real estate is one of those things that a small guy like me can become a millionaire without having to risk it all and have that guaranteed opportunity, you know, long-term. You know, it's not a, it's not a it's not a vehicle that you can become a millionaire. Maybe over the last couple of years, it has been like that because it was just going like this, like this, like literally vertical. And but I never looked at it that way, and that's not why I got in. It was it was always, hey, this is a thirty year commitment. You know, it's not a five year commitment, and then then let me become a millionaire. Even if you become a millionaire, don't pull your money out. And that's uh, um, I'll I'll get into a little a, a, a little more into it why you know you should never sell i i i sell properties because i buy more intentions of fixing them and flipping them within my uh, one of my corporations which is silver bay homes 
Um, but if it's a property that I'm buying and I place my tenants in there, I'm never selling that property. My partners know that. I know that. I've committed to that. Uh, um, if, if I'm selling, it's probably 30 years from now. And because I really, really need the money, hopefully I'll never be in that in, in that situation where I need to sell. But if it's an option, I'm never going to sell. Because as I'm learning this real estate world, you don't have to sell to pull money out of your properties. You can refinance. You can do a lot of other things. Uh, um, you can use as a collateral to buy another property or get a loan on another, another property. There's so many ways to pull the equity out of your property without having to sell, especially if you handpick the tenants that you have in there, especially if they're there for five, six, seven years and you continuously increase the rent on them. You know, not not to be unfair, but like whatever the, the, the inflation rate is. So if the, this year is 3% and my tenants know that and I kind of coach them on that. Um, if it's 3%, then I increase to 3%. If it's 5%, I increase to 5%. I'm not a, I'm not a greedy landlord where, hey, you know, uh, 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 this year I'm going to go 10% just because I can, because I don't think you're going to leave. Because again, they're, they're, they have lives, they're families, they're, you know, they're, they're human beings. And it's kind of like, I just have to be fair with them. So every single one of my tenants, and I have about 20, 20 doors are managed by a management company. I really don't know the tenants. I don't even know their names. All I know is that my management company, I told them to be fair by them. Um, but the rest of the 50, I've, I would say 90% of them I handpicked. The other 10% came with a property and they're still at the property and they're good people. Um, the rest of them, they either, they weren't good tenants or majority of my properties, I always prefer to buy in vacant so I can place my own tenants in there. So I can vet the tenants. I can they're kind of accustomed, like, like they know that I'm the first owner that, you know, dealt with them versus I've had bad experiences on some of the old tenants that I, that I had to evict where they were entitled, like, oh, this guy just bought this property. I don't have to listen to him. I'm late 10 days on my rent. You know, oh, he's serving me with a 10% in, uh, uh, rate, uh, late charge. Who is he? Who does he think he is? I've been here for 10 years. So I kind of had started having those issues with, with all tenants and it just, it wasn't fun. It, it, inside it wasn't fun kind of like dealing with, with somebody like that you know with the family problems and that's where I majority of my properties were vacant when I when I when I bought them with exception of some of the multi-unit um and uh I mean that's kind of kind of it for, for me I mean if, for another I mean I, I ask away yeah I, I do want to talk more about taxes but again I know we're, we're kind of on, on a time time uh, uh uh, time budget here. Yeah, but. totally. So, yeah, I, I, man, there's so many uh, ways that we could go in this conversation. I think what we, uh, my next question to you would be, um, so you, you talked about some moments in your life where you decided to do something different. So one of those moments was when you went to Costa Rica mm -hmm. and you realized that, that, you know, uh, what freedom or you remembered what freedom was, <laughs> right? And so that was one moment. And then another moment was when you were talking with your, uh, when you were doing well in real estate mm -hmm. money wise, yet you found yourself creating something. There was a familiar feeling that, that, that came over, which was uh, the, of working a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, but this time you're making a lot of money. Um, so that was another moment. And then the third moment that I thought was very important was, you and your coach speaking about the why. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe if you could um, talk a little bit how what internal shifts you chose to create with that conversation, because I believe um, 
the why, starting with why, which mm-hmm. is a book, start with why I would highly mm-hmm. recommend. Mm-hmm. I think it, it can truly uh, change the way people experience life to experience mm-hmm. life in a, in a fresh way. So can you speak more about what the conversation, what shifts you chose to create uh, uh, when you were talking more about your life purpose, your why, mm-hmm. and then what, what you implemented on a daily basis to make that true, to make that shift true? Okay, so in, in search of my big why, I mean, we have to, we always, as human beings, we look at the past, you know, and, and my biggest why was I don't want to go to poverty. Um, my coach, again, you know, he went, I, I, haven't, I haven't read that book, by the way, I, I will definitely uh, uh, do read it, but, but I have read a lot of, a lot of other books, um, including Tony Robbins, uh, Money Master the Game, and he talks a lot about that too, like as far as kind of finding your purpose. And, um, you know, we, we do things, we do, we make decisions on, on, on a couple of reasons or, or, or kind of a couple of psychological reasons. And mine was a fear. It was out of fear that I wanted to do what I want to do. And some people are out of love. Some people are out of greed. Some people are out of, you know, wh- whatever kind of ticks that electric in your brain, you know, and mine was fear. You know, I, I come from a, uh, from a, a background uh, my grandparents were farmers simple people not not poverty i wouldn't say poverty it was just simple people my dad was a businessman he worked his whole life building a couple of companies um uh, and i'm originally from iraq so he built a couple of companies at that you know in iraq where he was forced to lose them you know he didn't make any bad decisions it was just the world that we lived in at that time and um, he wasn't strong enough financially to sustain the government uh, 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 and the environment, I'll just call it the environment at that point, uh, uh, conditions and pressure. So everything fell apart. The whole pyramid or, or, or the whole palace that he had built for his family and his future kind of fell apart because I felt like it wasn't standing on good grounds in a way. And a, a lot of it wasn't his fault. It was just, again, the environment that, 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 that he was in. And we went to poverty. And that's when we you know moved from... from Iraq and a long, long journey of three years to 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 make it to, to to San Diego. And throughout those three years, it was nothing but poverty, kind of living in six people living in a one bedroom one bedroom studio, you know, if that. And it was just I wanted not to not to be in that situation ever again. And I wasn't when I made this decision, when I searched for my big wife, but it was just kind of that fear that one day I might be. I might be working at a corporate world, making a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, doing a CPA job. And then one day I might get fired or one day I might get sick where I can't do this. Or I might, you know, start getting a migraines where I cannot focus, sit in front of a computer for 10 hour days. And what's going to happen then? Am I going to lose everything? And that's when I was like, okay, I got energy. I'm energized. I'm disciplined when it comes to work. Um, I'm not the smartest guy, but I'll outwork anybody in my, in my network. And, and, and that was like, you know, understanding my strengths and, um, and I figured, all right, that's my biggest why I don't want to, I never want to have the fear of losing everything and going back to poverty. What do I, what am I going to do about it? And that's when I went in search of what am I going to do about it? And one of the reasons actually I became an accountant, it was still like, you know, I wanted to be the best income maker with a minimal amount of time. And, but I just didn't know what that meant. I just knew that again, I can 
out studying time-wise any any of my classmates i wasn't the smartest one but i would out study them if they study six hours i was studying 12 hours and and a lot of my friends know know this i mean i would be sitting in the library until 5 5 a.m in the morning because i had an exam the next day uh, um just so i can pass and i can kind of you know hold on to my goal uh, um going back and that's that was my reason behind it Fernando. i mean that's just like it was a fear of being poor mm. financially because poor comes in many forms and, and we can talk about that too but it's financially you know and uh, um and that's where i was always in pursuit what's gonna make me build me and my finances to that point and real estate was one and when i experienced it the more i went in for me waste and now everything is in i i realized that real estate was the winner in my category in today what i'm doing right now whether it was commercial real estate residential real estate but residential is where i started with single family homes because i think anybody can start with that too like anybody can do a house hack and 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 start with a minimal amount down i mean i mean they're talking about i've never done it but you can start with a three percent down if it's your single family home i never did that because again i didn't know about it if I knew about it, I would have definitely done it on my first house. I just, honestly, I just didn't know about it. With 3% down, it's a no-brainer for, especially if you do a house hack and get a house in an EDU or duplex or fourplex. Um, and uh, um, the more I'm learning about real estate, the more it's kind of like retaining me. And not only I enjoy it, it is giving me, I'm starting to see the freedom in it. So like, you know how I told you when I first started doing house flipping, it was consuming my life. After investing all that money into that coaching program and being able to listen to a lot of these mentors that have walked the talk, you know, they've been there, they've done that. They showed me things that I learned from them that probably would have taken me five years to learn. And I learned it in less than probably 90 days from them. Um, and where how to, when I hire a contractor, how to keep them disciplined, how to, what kind of documents to sign with them, you know, how to check to make sure that they're, they're good, how to vet them, because I would just hire somebody, anybody that wanted to work that I would interview, I would, they were hired. And then if they were bad, then they were fired. If they were good, then they would stay with me versus now it's like, when they come my way, I vet them. It doesn't guarantee me that, that they're going to be good. But I mean, an honest, honest and a true, true statement is. Out of the three contracts that I that I hired after joining the program and, and dealing with my coaches, um, with the tools that they gave me, all three of them are solid, and I'm, and I didn't have to hire any. Versus prior to that, I was like firing and hiring on like on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty much. I mean, I mean, and again, the more I, I go into real estate, the more I enjoy it and the more I like it. And we haven't even touched on the the. The, the the real the the tax benefits of being a real estate investor that the IRS had has given to homeowners. So let's let's and, do and, that and, let's, and investors. Let's go into it. So uh, let's no problem. I mean, I'll go. I'll I'll take a few steps back and to a book that I read. And again, you you would think that I went to school do uh, for accounting and then I specialized in auditing and tax and I would know these things. And I, honestly, I didn't. As far as like the the ins and outs, why why you should be a real estate investor and the tax benefits behind it. I mean, we kind of learned in school the general idea of taxes, how to report and how to pay. Um, but I read a book, uh, Tax Free Wealth by Tom Woolwright. He explains why why were taxes invented in the first place? And if you guys know this, the history of taxes, taxes were were imposed on the on the ultra rich people, on only on the richest of the richest. 
And regular people like us never pay taxes. It was just, it wasn't imposed on us. It's not that we didn't pay taxes. It, just, it wasn't because prior to that, it wasn't legal. I mean, I mean, we, we, we won the, the, we got our independence because of taxes. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I mean, historians would agree that one of the main reasons why, you know, America got into its independence from, from England was because of taxes, you know, and uh, fast forward almost 200 years later, now we're paying tax and the same tax that, that we kind of gain our independence from. But regardless, uh, um, the taxes were, were introduced so they can tax the richest of the richest because they had too much money and, you know, they, they, they needed to contribute you know, to the to the streets and so on and so forth. And uh, fast forward a few years later, uh, um, they start being the ultra rich are not paying as much as much as the the literal common guy. You know, us that 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 we're paying. And um, it, what the government found out was that taxes and the reason why we actually pay taxes is not because the government needs the money because they can just go print. They talk about it in the headlines, yeah, we need the money, but it's more to influence behavior. And that's why in the fifties. In the 60s, they the government found out that if they can control taxes, they can control the behavior of the of its citizens. So if you invest in your business and machineries, then we'll give you a tax break. So we'll we'll let you keep all of your money as long as you continue to grow your business. Growing your business, what it does is it allows you to hire more people. These people are paying the taxes. So if you grow your business and hire 10 more people, now the government makes more money because they're I'm hiring more people that are paying those taxes. So as a business owner, they're giving me a tax break to, re to keep the money in-house in my company to grow my company. That's, you know, same thing with real estate. And, and, and that's where I was like, well, okay, real estate, all these rich people, they dump money in real estate. Why, why, why? And it was like, well, if you provide housing for people that cannot provide it for themselves, then you're doing a service to the to the country, you're doing a service to the infrastructure of the country. So if you go build 10 houses and put 10 families there, then you are gonna get a tax break where you're not gonna pay money. Again, not you're gonna pay a little bit of money because you're providing a home for somebody else. So that's that's kind of the 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 history behind it to why real estate, you know, they get so many tax breaks is uh, uh you know. So now we go to how to take advantage of that and, and why people like they don't understand why the rich, uh, 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 the rich people that own real estate don't pay a lot of taxes. Well, it's because of that. It's, it's how to influence. So because if there was no tax breaks, I guarantee a lot of these rich people wouldn't be investing in real estate, you know, and the same time, you know, you can't say, well, yeah, then they should, those taxes should be taken away. But that means that there isn't going to be any infrastructure on building new homes to supply the demand of these people of this of the of this kind of country that's grown because then who's going to build it the government the government's not going to do it that's not their job we're, we're in democracy but you know it's, it's going to take investors so for investors to dump their money in real estate they need an incentive and that's their incentive which is tax breaks that's kind of the history behind it um so going into what kind of benefits you get most of the benefits are if you are classified as a real estate investor, okay, meaning that real estate professional, and there's some criteria that, that, that you have to meet, you have to be doing 750 hours in, in general real estate, uh, at least 500 of those hours have to be within materially participating in real estate, meaning that, you know, you're going there, you're driving to your properties, and, you know, you're doing things actively participating. Um, you cannot be spending more time doing any other job. So if you spend 
751 hours doing, let's say your W2 job and then spend 750, then you will not qualify. So you have to be doing more in real estate than, than you do in any other job to qualify. Um, or you can own it in a, uh, in a LLC and kind of, it's a flow through entity and then you take the depreciation through that and then uh, uh, um, that'll be that'll be another another way um so depreciation is the benefit that that real estate investors get depreciation what that means is just to break it in numbers you buy you buy a million dollar property uh you have to break it down between the building and the land the, the land you cannot depreciate does not go like it doesn't depreciate the value so so let's say two hundred thousand dollars is for the land, $800,000 is for the building. You'll get to depreciate that $800,000 over 27 and a half years, flat, straight line. Um, that means it's about roughly about, I believe about $30,000. So every year, let's say you're you're collecting $30,000 of rental income, just hypothetically speaking, you, you collect that and then your, and that's your net. And your expense on depreciation is thirty thousand dollars. You're gonna pay zero taxes. That doesn't mean you made zero money. You still made thirty thousand dollars, but you're gonna pay zero taxes because now your building in your property that you purchased is no longer in the eyes of the IRS and and California is no longer worth eight hundred thousand. Now it's worth seven hundred and seventy thousand this year, and next year it'll be thirty thousand less. And again, you're still making the thirty thousand. You're taking that thirty thousand home. You're doing whatever you want to do with them, but you're not paying any taxes on it, and that's your benefit. That's kind of on on a, and that's what I knew. And then what I discovered is accelerated depreciation, and I always knew that accelerated depreciation. Because I studied in school. I just didn't know how to apply it. I didn't see that. Like I didn't understand it fully. So accelerated depreciation. That's when. You have a million dollar property, 200 goes to land, 800 goes to the building. What accelerated depreciation does, it's, it's an actual study. You have, uh, I actually pay $3,000 for, for a company that does it. It's a third party company. They go in my building and then they break down everything. They, they start documenting everything. We have five windows. We have X amount of fans. We have X amount of lights. We have X amount of uh, space for drywall, floor, so on and so forth. And they start putting these items in categories. Windows go in one category and floor goes in another, another category. Appliance go in another category. They start breaking them in, in, in different categories. And those categories are five year, seven year, 15 year. And what that means is, let's say you have $100,000 of five years category, $100,000 value of the five year category. What's going to happen is you get to depreciate those $100,000 instead of 27 and a half years, you'll get to depreciate it over five years. And same thing with the seven years. Anything that falls in that category, let's say it's $200,000 worth, worth of value, then you get to depreciate over seven years. So what happens is instead of in the first 15 years, instead of getting $30,000 over 27 years, you're going to get maybe $100,000 in one year, $70,000 in second year, and then probably within 15 years, you've depreciated more than 50% of the property versus, versus 27. So that's the advantage where, you know, if you are making money, if you have a job in real estate, especially if you're a real estate agent, I mean, you're already in, you're already a real estate professional. 
and you have a bunch of properties. When you do that, let's say you make $300,000 on your regular uh, uh, real estate job or if you're a contractor or whatever. Uh, let's let, let's say you make three hundred thousand, and you can depreciate, and you can get two hundred thousand dollars from this one property that you purchased for a million dollars in depreciation. Now your three hundred is no longer three. You're not paying tax on three hundred. You're only paying tax on one hundred because the two hundred from real estate offsets your real income. Okay, if you're classified as a as a real estate professional, this is this is where the street part comes in. Well, what if I'm a W two? What if I'm a doctor? Or if I'm a lawyer, and I don't I cannot make real estate my my main profession. Um, so I can so I can become a real estate investor. Well, if you have a spouse, and if you're if you buy a couple of properties and your spouse spends that time, then if your spouse is a real estate professional by the codes of the IRS, then you're a, then you're a real estate professional because you guys are filing jointly. I would assume. So if you're filing jointly, then now both of you guys are real estate professionals. So if she can get a through depreciation a loss of three hundred thousand dollars on on her on on your guys' properties, and you make three hundred thousand, then you pay zero taxes. Wow. Bam. So that's, I, again, I knew the concept. I just didn't know how to apply it until I became a real estate investor myself. And I started applying that, you know, and, uh, um, and there's many, many other benefits that are, that are small. This is the biggest one that really incentivizes a lot of these big gurus, you know, that, that, that invest millions and millions and millions, um, uh, in real estate because the benefit that they get, uh, um, from, from becoming a real estate investor. Wow. That's just kind of one-sided. That I, I love that. I the the picture you painted there for the three hundred thousand dollar professional or employee. I, I love it. So simple. Um, how are you doing on time? I'm I'm doing good. Good. Maybe another. We can go for another ten minutes yeah. or so. Okay, great. So um, you have now your uh, it's twenty twenty two. You have scaled. You you found a way to scale through the help of experts and coaches. Um, what is, what's your vision for the next, say one year, two years in your real estate investing business? So want to continue to grow my, and continue to focus on my big why and my goal and continue to grow my real estate portfolio. Um, I would like to add a, an office building in within my portfolio. That was, um, that's, I've already have my, my 2023 goals and that's going to be one of them. Um, the other one is to continue to build and expand on my real estate flipping, uh, adventure. So, uh, we're, we're building our marketing department right now where we're not just relying on real estate agents to send us properties. We're actually trying to target directly to homeowners, uh, uh, to sell us their properties. In addition, we're also expanding our real estate agent outreach. So, you know, we're, we're, we're telling all the agents out there in San Diego area, like, hey, if you have a property that, you know, you want a fast cash, uh, a cash offer, um, professional, no, no games, our first offers, our last offer, uh, um, we'll take it, uh, we'll take it off your hands and off your client's hands and you'll get a commission. And if your client doesn't want to pay your commission, because, you know, they're, they're not getting the best price they want, we'll pay your commission too. So we're just kind of two things. We're expanding on, on the fix and flip company. Uh, um, and we're also doing, we're incorporating uh, development. So a lot of properties that uh, as we're slowing down, my contractors need work, we're developing some properties and we're going to continue to expand on that. So if a property is allowed to have an ADU on it, additional dwelling unit, we're building an additional dwelling unit. We're actually in process of doing two, three right now. 
three, three, uh, two ADUs and one uh, parcel split. So we're building two, two properties on a duplex. That was originally duplex. We, we split the lot and then we're building two more. Um, so we're kind of, we're going to be expanding more on that. So everything that I'm going to be doing for the next year, two years is going to be related to real estate and uh, to expand more on it. And as, as I learn, and again, I still consider my, my myself a, 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 as a rookie when it comes to real estate, because I'm talking to people like you for now. I mean, you've been in real estate for 20 years, you know, and, and you kind of have, have a, have a lot more kind of insight on how much more creative you can get with real estate, you know, with, like with, with, and, and I, I asked a lot of guys where you don't even have to have money to go in and that's wow. You know, I mean, I didn't start that way, but that's wow. And, and I'm sure, you know, people, anybody that, that can put their mind to it, they have a coach, have a decent coach that's sincere, that's honest, that kind of walks the talk, uh, um, you know, you'll, you, you, you'll be okay. I mean, you just have to network. Um, SDCI is, is, is one place where you can network and meet a lot of entrepreneurs in real estate specifically and you can talk to them you know tell them how, how do you get your finances how do because i i do that still to, to, till today i mean every every event i can go to I, I i go to it and and i don't go there just to kind of you know waste time i go there to meet people and talk to them and see what they're doing different and uh, how i can expand on my knowledge um so that's that's pretty much i mean it like i said the the redevelopment company and the rehab company build that continue to build it since it's still fresh couple of years freshly new i mean we've done we've done 72 flips uh, uh counting the, the 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 rentals that i have that we kind of turned them around and decided to keep them so i mean we just want to we want to expand we want to get to 100 next year and um and the same thing on on our uh portfolio um this year we were we were on track to do 60 we got to 50 and we paused <laughs> because again not not because we were too afraid because i feel like i said the real estate is a long-term game it's not it's not a it's not a short-term game if you're playing a short-term game with real estate then the time is up it was in 2019 which nobody knew about it 2020 nobody knew about it everyone was expecting a a, a a correction and correction didn't come until you know 2022 and Anything that you got, you, you put your hands on in from 2018 till till about six months ago, then that was the time to make a short term gain, you know, short term money. But regardless, investors uh, uh, like myself, I'm a long term. Whatever I'm touching today, where I buy it expensive or as long as my tenants pay the mortgage and some of the expense and cash flows a little bit, then I'm happy. Um, so next year we're still gonna be we're gonna reset our we reset our goal to reset it to 60 properties, 60 doors again, and see how far we're going to get, given all the external factors that the government is going to throw our way and the, and the economy is going to throw our way. So we'll go from there. That's exciting. That's a very, very exciting vision. Um, I think the last question, so we can start closing, would be a question about um, what something about advice. If you were to give your younger self a piece of advice, from what you know now, what what would that advice be? I would say get coached, hire a coach, interview, feel comfortable about a coach that, that they're going to hire and hire a coach and hire a coach that has walked the talk. He, they've been there, they've done, they've done it. Um, and they want to share that. They, they, they want to share that experience because that will save you a lot of time, especially the type of coach that are very detail oriented. They'll, they're, they're willing to share the materials and the tools that 
they use and they have developed through their hard work and countless hours of sweat equity into their experience. And they're willing to share that information with you, hire that coach. Paying them what you can afford and be honest with them, be, be straightforward with them. And, you know, and um, if you're not getting what you what you want, because I know there's a lot of coaching program for now, and I'm sure you know of that, you know, they don't want to give you, they give you the right results. Sometimes just because you're not asking the right questions from the get-go, tell them exactly what you want to do. And then, and then keep them on check. If they're not giving you that information, if they're afraid to share their, their tools with you, then I don't think that's a good coach. I think any good coach, honest coach, they get into coaching, not, not for the money. They get into coaching for philanthropy. They get into coaching to share, to give back. So if they're, if they're that type of a coach that they want to give back, then they should be willing to share every single thing with you, whether it's a handwritten note that they wrote 10 years ago or a 10-page contract, PSA contract, purchase contract that they spend countless, countless of hours and thousands of dollars with their attorneys. If they're not willing to share that with you, I don't think that's a good coach. I, I think you know, a sincere coach will, will share that in a heartbeat because they're, they became a coach because they want to give back. And they want to see you successful. And if you have that kind of coach, then they're not going to hold back anything, any information, any, any experience, any bad or good experience that they've had. So my one advice will be get coached um, and ask the right questions to your coach and be open and, and, and uh, transparent with them when you're getting what you want and when you're not getting what you want. Thank you. Can I ask one more question? Of course. <laughs> Would you ever uh, consider becoming a coach? If I'm at a... I would so a short answer would be yes, because I am the type of person that I like to see other people successful. I mean, it, it, it's I've been there. I, I have helped a lot of people into with their, with their businesses, um, how to run their businesses, and it feels good in, internally. So if I ever do it, honestly, it'll be just so I can give back. It won't be it won't be for the money because I think a lot of coach, especially my coach, I don't think he's he charged me what he's worth. I think I think he's he's. He, He's given me more benefit than that I paid him times a hundred probably. So um, yes, uh, if if an opportunity presents itself and if I feel that I have I have time to that I can maintain my goal and maintain my focus on my goal while I'm coaching and helping other people, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Eddie. I want to thank no you problem. for your no, time today. This is a lot of fun, and uh, for everyone watching and listening, I hope you took some notes and. Feel free to replay and uh, and especially the you know if if you are in a time in your life where you feel like you know maybe your life purpose isn't that clear go you know rewind to the part where Eddie talked about his why in the conversation with his coach and if you are in a phase where you are in real estate or you want to get started and you probably already have some properties then uh, you know move uh, go to that part where he talked about the three hundred thousand dollar. Uh, scenario and how to pay zero taxes uh, legally uh, using the tax code mm -hmm. uh, in accelerated appreciation. Uh, thanks, Eddie, one no more problem. time. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. I um, pray and and that your goals and everything happen smoothly. Thank you. And everyone watching, listening, thanks for tuning in. Tuning in. Uh, like, share, uh, subscribe, uh, and comment below. One takeaway, like your number one takeaway from this. Uh, conversation and if you want to go one step further uh, call someone or text someone that takeaway mm -hmm. that way you're more likely to apply that lesson that you just learned today and uh, put it into practice uh, thanks Eddie thanks wow. everyone
Have a good day and bye for now. All right.